is it going to be a long hot summer or is it just going to fizzle out like most other things do in dc next on principles and policies Welcome to today's edition of Principles and Policies. I'm your host, Barry Sheets, the Executive Director of the Institute for Principal Policy. And along with me today is our co-host, the Chairman of the Institute, my fellow analyst and very good friend, Chuck Michaels. Hey, Barry, it's great to be back with you, as it always is. I, I give thanks to the Lord that you're able to join me this week, and I'm able to join you this week. Yeah, uh, and through through the magic of... Uh, technology we are actually able to put together a program that's right and, and get it out to our folks yeah and, and it, it doesn't sound as good as it is when we're face to face in the studio but it sounds good enough that we can get away with it it will work for what we need to do um and i'm grateful because you know every week that we can do this is another week that the lord has seen fit to uh leave me here and have me do work. So I, I'm very, very appreciative of that. And so is my family. Well, we're very appreciative that you're still able to, to do work down there uh, in your in your current um, um, somewhat reduced circumstances. Uh, we're, we're very grateful that uh, God has seen fit to give you the strength and the, and the energy and um, the ability through technology to uh, do these things. So, uh, Praise the Lord. He he comes through. I'm uh, We live in a wonderful time. I always hear people complaining about the times. Uh, I wouldn't want to live in any other time. Um, I can't you know. imagine living in any other time. No. Um, uh, here, here, many of us would be gone. Um, I, you know, I had, I had a, a bad car accident in 1981. And even then uh, technology made it possible for me to survive a a uh, car crash that I probably in the past would not have. Um, uh, given given the stories you've told about what happened, I am very, very grateful that God decided to be very merciful to you. <laughs> that's right. And uh, do I still carry some of the scars and some of the problems? Oh, yeah. But you know what? I've had this. Uh, this It was uh, um, 40... Uh, two years ago, and uh, hey, it's forty-two years more than I than I should have been allowed. So, uh, praise the Lord for all that, and praise the Lord for your uh, continued stability, because essentially it kind of sounds like you're more or less stable at this moment. So far, so good. Um, as most people might know, I am dealing with stage four uh, renal cell carcinoma, which has morphed into bone cancer in my spine and body. And my doctors have given me a short-term window of, uh, you know, st staying on this earth. But I don't know if the Lord has been listening to my doctors or not, because it seems like I have days that are rough. But then I have very, very good days where I feel like things are going in the right direction. Um, obviously, I have a lot of people praying for me. I have a lot of uh, help from my family. From We're in hospice care right now, and I can't say enough good about hospice. Uh, for those who have ever had a loved one or family member uh, or friend who, who've been in hospice care, 
hospice people don't really understand it, but it is for those folks who can be in terminal conditions within certain time frames, but you do not have to be actively dying in order to receive hospice care. And the care that we get is just phenomenal. And so it has been a very, very uh, load lifting experience, especially for my wife and my children. And they are very grateful to God for all the help that we get. Sorry, I mean. Oh, not, not a problem. Uh, it's good to, to uh, feel uh, your your gratefulness can come out. Yeah, you're allowed to be have an emotional um, moment. It's it's allowed. Yeah. You know, I, I was just thinking well, about. I've never had a a non positive experience with anybody who was in hospice, including my mom, who was only in for uh, three days. She was three days in the hospice. Uh, yeah, most most people don't realize that hospice can come in, and there are people who are on hospice for years at a time. Sometimes, um, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes that is, but most people don't even recognize that hospice is an available option until you get into those like very short time windows of, well, you know, things are turning south, and you're going to be, uh, you know, leaving this earth at, like within. 72 hours but you know hospice is there for a lot of different things and so you know i'm always a big fan of you know supporting hospice care supporting the the workers there and it's been really great for our family so we're, we're very very blessed by it we want to thank everybody who's been praying for us and i'm sorry that i have these emotional pops mostly well, it's it mostly yeah. is due to a large dose of steroids that I have to be on for the, uh, the, the pain because I have both, you know, it's bone cancer, which is very painful uh, at times. And also because of where the tumors are, they're pressing on nerves in my spine. And that also creates some, uh, shall we say unpleasant moments. Oh, so. I'm sure it does. I mean, I'm, I'm a minor league sufferer of neuropathy and, uh, nothing, like, uh, you're dealing with, but I, I know that, uh, some people, I, I consider myself lucky or blessed actually, and there's no luck. Uh, I'm blessed. Uh, I'm diabetic and you know, when my blood sugar, sometimes, uh, I have trouble controlling. Um, it, and, uh, um, what happens is I get neuropathy in my feet. Oh, well, what does that mean? Well, I always have a lower threshold of feeling down there. Um, they're always checking my, how can you feel this? Can you feel this? Well, I could still feel a lot, but I wake up in the middle of the night and I have an itch in my foot that I cannot scratch. I mean, it is like, it's one of those ones that drives you insane. Because I can certainly understand that you cannot get at it. I reach down and scratch the bottom of my foot. No, it doesn't do anything. It just itches and itches and itches. Uh, now, I've known people who've had neuropathy, but they're like, oh, you get an itch? I have a stabbing pain. I have had that once. Uh, I've had the stabbing pain in my feet from neuropathy. And my sister-in-law, 
I'm a type two diabetic, which means didn't we didn't really notice it until about, oh, maybe 12 or 14 years ago, all of a sudden my blood sugars are, you know, too high. Um, she's been diabetic. She was discovered to be a diabetic when she was eight. Um, and so she's gone, you know, she's had trouble. Uh, I remember once, uh, she went to an amusement park, my brother, that my brother and, uh, took her to an amusement park and she walked around in open toed sandals. And when they got back up to the hotel room that evening, they, she took her shoe off and her, and she had a second degree burn on her foot from the asphalt. She can feel it. So that's, that's very dangerous. Yes. Yeah. And she's had the stabbing pains and that kind of thing. But my gosh, she's in her sixties. Uh, every time she goes to the, to the specialist, they're like, uh, you should have died about, <laughs> you should have been dead for about 15 years. Uh, well, I'm not here. That, right that's, now. <laughs> o- that's, that, that's always fun when somebody tells you that and you look at them like, did you really need to say that? <laughs> yeah, we really need to know that. Um, no, she's known that, uh, she's known that this could be a possibility. My brother knows too. She's, she's had some, she has unique issues, but in our business, my brother and I are both in the dietary supplement industry. We're in alternative medicine. Uh, she had deeply reduced kidney activity and we, we got her, you know, my brother and, and me got put our heads together and, uh, we've been managing to keep her kidneys in wor- w- working condition. I mean, she's showing stage two or stage three kidney disease. And they're like, you were at stage four before. And that's getting into, uh, the area of dialysis. Um, and no, her kidneys work fine. They, in fact, I think she may be down to stage two kidney disease, which, uh, they're, they're marveling at that doesn't happen. They're like, kidneys don't recover from that. Yeah. Well, this, this, these pair did. So, uh, again, very pleased to be living in a time when this kind of technology and this kind of research and this kind of, uh, uh, material is available to us to do what in days past would have been considered the miraculous. And now it's fairly, um, it's fairly routine. Why? Because God has given us, he has allowed us to uncover some of those secrets and it's beautiful thing. Praise God for it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you you know, Chuck, we, we look around us and we see all the things that are going on. You know, we see all of the, um, turmoil and the strife and the uh, running away from God and the shaking your fist in God's face because you don't like the way you were designed or you've been led into a lie to say that, oh, you could have had better, uh, but God made a mistake. Uh, <laughs> those, are the, those are the type of things that, you know, cause despair and uh, breakdowns all over the place. But when you get into a position like, well, I'll just speak personally that I'm in right now where, you know, every day is a new gift because you know that the specter of death is right there. You learn to trust that God does know what he's doing, that he has the best plan. 
that he's laid out in his word everything we need for contentment, happiness, for having joy in our lives, having good relationships, having a optimistic outlook on all the things that are going on, because nothing surprises God. All the things, uh, Romans 8, 28, is absolutely as true as it can get, that all things do work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And that is actually each and every last human being on the planet, because God uses everybody for the outworking of his will. That's right. Uh, and we, when we look, as the scripture says, we look, see in a mirror darkly. Um, you know, we cannot see all of the ways that these things work together, but God surely does, and he has the plan for it. And when you, and I'm not saying let go and let God, but I'm saying that when you stop fighting against God and you start working his plan that he has for you, then you just have this overwhelming sense of understanding that whatever happens, it's the right thing for you and for those around you. And our family has really embraced that with all of the situations that we've got going on. And we're, well, I didn't want to make this about us. It's great to be grateful. And it's great to be grateful, especially to God, because let's face it, everything good, uh, bad, or indifferent that happens is because God is working out his will. Absolutely. And well, it's good to, to thank God for the things that are happening. And people need to hear that. Um, everything you said is absolutely true. You know, if you get into the mindset that God somehow cursed you, um, you know, bad things happen. And sometimes they happen because other good things are happening. Um, you know, uh, that's the all things work together for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, that doesn't mean people, people often misinterpret that and say, well, that means everything. Uh, uh, if I become a, a good, strong, um, Bible believing born again, Christian, nothing bad is ever going to happen again. How do you think uh, that has worked out? Um, well, let's put it this way. It didn't work out uh, exactly that way. Uh, on the temporal scale for the most innocent person who has ever walked the face of the earth um, ended up uh, being rather uh, harshly dealt with um, to the point of death. But even that was part of the game plan uh, and overcame the world system and all of the machinations that the world was trying to put together in order to destroy them. And, you know, I'm talking about Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And that is, you know, something that folks have to remember that even the Son of God himself went through persecution, went through uh, all of the negatives that the imagination of man could possibly throw at him at that time period. And uh, if we expect that everything's going to be, you know, light and, and, fluff and air and just all good things happen to us and nothing bad ever happens to us 
well, we have misunderstood what God's word is actually saying about us because even Christ told us that we would be persecuted for his namesake. We will be vilified and ostracized. And of course, we're seeing that in the culture now, you know, as people are, you know, rising up and deciding that they know better than God and that the source of all their problems is because somebody wants to, you know, hold them into account to a higher standard than they want to be held to. Um, and we're seeing that all over the place, um, especially, obviously, in our in our culture war with all the things going on with the you know, attacks on our children, the attacks on, uh, you know, Christian families. Uh, if you can't go to a, uh, a museum or anywhere wearing a piece of clothing that says something positive about Christianity, uh, then you might be escorted out or asked to, you know, take off the, the offending piece of material because people just don't want to be confronted with the fact that there's actual truth and that they are required actually to live under it. Um, we're seeing that right now, obviously, at the national level. Uh, and this is where we're going to hopefully kick into talking about some of this stuff, which we have the, uh, the long-awaited, I think, what has it been, like four years now that, that we've been working on, uh, or that an investigator, uh, John Durham, has been working on a report or whether or not the uh, accusations against a certain political candidate who was president and who now no longer is, whether or not they had actual dealings with a foreign country in order to try to win an election and thus somehow violate all the rules and standards of, of uh, good decorum and being in a salacious way, a usurper or a throw her off of our vaunted sometimes I can sometimes I can think clearly and sometimes I can't anymore so I, I have to that. I I I, well, I have to some various medicines and sometimes they cause me to have a little bit of uh, uh, difficulty in in remembering things so slight cognitive uh, interruptions just slight and, yeah, yeah that... just just slight but okay uh, but you know what we got is that the Durham report came out, uh, I think it was on Tuesday, and basically said that the whole Russia-Trump collusion narrative was actually fake, false, and that the FBI was involved in creating a narrative that is absolutely untrue. And that is going to be creating a lot of ripples, and it already is in, in Congress. As a matter of fact, I believe that um, a sitting Congresswoman um, has introduced a resolution to require the removal of California Congressman Adam Schiff. Um, as you know, he was the running the Intelligence Committee during the time that the Democrats held the House last session and the last couple of sessions and spent an awful lot of time trying to validate the Russia collusion narrative against Donald Trump so that he could or, or that the Democrats could try to run another impeachment on Trump because, you know, the first two times weren't enough. And now the, because of the fact that he was using this and 
there are indications that pretty much everybody knew that it wasn't really accurate or true. They're asking for uh, Schiff to be removed from Congress. Um, and it looks like it has the at least tacit backing of the Speaker of the House, uh, Kevin McCarthy. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, where they go to with that, uh, because obviously the leftist Democrats want to change the focus. They want to go away from it, even though many of the talking heads in D.C. through the mainstream media, like the New York Times and some in CNN and others, are still holding that, well, regardless of whether or not uh, the Durham report came out, we're going to ignore it because it doesn't fit our narrative and we really want the narrative to be that Donald Trump is evil and we really just need to make sure he does never achieve the presidency again, which I don't know in 2024 if it's going to be possible for them to stop him from achieving the presidency once again. Well, it yeah, they can by doing what we talked about last week, and that is stealing the election in key precincts um, in places like Maricopa County, uh, um, Atlanta, and its suburbs. Um, yeah, all you got to do is put in uh, uh, the, uh, the wrong kind of voting machine that uh, uh, has proprietary software that no one is allowed to, to look at, at the uh, algorithms that are used to count the votes and that count the votes in foreign countries. And voila, you can steal a, uh, you know, Pennsylvania, uh, stole, uh, uh, electoral votes from Trump last time. Michigan did it. We knew that happened because, um, votes are supposed to be counted in the open, um, and publicly. And what's the first thing they did, they put covers over the window so that no one could watch the votes being counted in Pennsylvania specifically, but also in Michigan. Um, so yeah, you know, you, you brought this up and I'm looking up in the constitution right now. Um, and it's been a while since we taught it. So, but I know where this is, you know, uh, Lauren Boebert brings the resolution to discipline, uh, um, uh, Adam Schiff. Uh, and, uh, heard a lot of, yeah, I've heard a lot of people. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, but. No, I'm actually. I think it was Anna Paulina Luna. Is oh, the is be. is the uh, is the congresswoman who did that? Um, yeah, let's see here. I'm going to be looking at it right now. Yes, Anna Paulina Luna introduces resolution to expel Adam Schiff from Congress. Um, and of course, they have a at Breitbart.com. They have this big, oversized, blown up picture of Adam Schiff, uh, where you're almost looking right up his nostrils, and it's uh, kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, uh, Bobert introduced something else, and I can't remember what it is now, uh, along the same lines. Yes, um, um, it, it is It is getting interesting because some, t some of these um, resolutions might actually get some legs because of the way some of these members have treated other members in the past. And I don't believe that Adam Schiff is on anybody's shortlist for Christmas presents from the GOP. <laughs> um, 
I think it's Article 1, Section 4, or maybe Section 5. Oh, here, here we go. Section 5. Okay. Each house shall be the judge of elections, returns, and qualifications of its own members, and a majority of each shall constitute a quorum to do business, but a smaller number, blah, blah, blah. That's that's not really relevant. Um, each house may determine the rules of its proceedings, punish its members for disorderly behavior, and with the concurrence of two-thirds, expel a member. Yeah, that is going to be the tough part. Two-thirds is, you know, obviously because of how close the um, U.S. Uh, House is as far as numbers between Republicans and Democrats, it's probably not going to get to the level of actually expelling him. But right. bringing these resolutions forward does allow the Speaker of the House to be able to you know, work on making some changes. And I believe that Schiff has already been kicked off a couple of committees uh, you know, because of his past actions and that Speaker McCarthy is just not going to allow him to be on these committees. No. Uh, and if you recall, uh, when these people were kicked off, there were several people kicked off committees that were involved in that, in that, uh, Jan six, uh, debacle, uh, kangaroo court, essentially, uh, several of those people were removed from, uh, a pretty key, committees and remember the hue and cry oh you're censoring us you're this is revenge um bloody 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 blah no it's called discipline and uh um you you no longer have the majority and you are being disciplined um the the fact is that uh this uh you know removal from committee um for essentially perpetrating a fraud, should he be removed from office? Yes. Should Democrats look at this and say, you know, this is beyond the pale. Uh, they sh This person should be out. Um, and it's been done before. Um, I can re uh, back in the 60s, there was a congressman uh, named Adam Clayton Powell. Adam Clayton Powell was from New York. The New York City area, I think he was from the Bronx or Brooklyn. I can't remember. My memory isn't that good. It's not really good at all. But Adam Clayton Powell was reelected. He was a grifter. And I mean, openly taking bribes, um, you know, living the high life on the people who were who were just giving him money. Um that kind of thing. And he was just living this, this complete debauched lifestyle. And, uh, basically the house, uh, and remember the Democrats controlled, uh, both, uh, houses of Congress from the mid fifties up until the nineties. I think they're, uh, take it back in the eighties. Uh, there was short periods where the Senate and, uh, uh was controlled by the Republicans. But the fact right. is, Adam Clayton Powell was a representative, and he was uh, removed. He essentially they refused to seat him, which is one of the things that can remember that the uh, I just read that section that the House is the judge of its own elections. Correct. They refused to seat Adam Clayton Powell, uh, who was a Democrat. 
Um, and, uh, um, this was a democratic house refused to, uh, to seat this democratic grifter. And, uh, um, despite the fact that he'd been reelected, you know, duly reelected. Um, so they do do that from time to time. They do issue censures from time to time. Now they may try to do the thing with a, a censure, uh, I, you know, a, 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 this thing about, uh, issuing a removal or trying to get a removal, uh, you know, it's going the Democrats will try to get a downgrade to a censure. A censure is a joke. It's essentially hold out your knuckles and they hit and, you know, they give you a little rap on the knuckles with a ruler and the, right. ruler, the ruler isn't even wood. It's made out of plastic or rubber. I mean, it's a joke. Uh, right. And, and the, and the, and the real interesting thing right now, I mean, from their her personal Twitter account, uh, Congresswoman Luna stated this, and, and I just want to put this out here because she did hit on something that can be used uh, effectively, maybe more so than the resolution. And she says, quote, knowingly using your position, she's talking about Adam Schiff, on the House Intel Committee to push a lie that ripped apart our country, cost taxpayers millions of dollars uh, because obviously the J6 committee uh, spent lots and lots and lots of money trying to create this framework around Trump being some kind of, you know, tyrant who was trying to throw off our democracy and create all these problems. But then she hits on the key and authorized spying on a U.S. president and then proceeding to double down on the lie within days of the Durham report coming out makes you unfit for office. And she also added, ethics should investigate. Now, if the House Ethics Committee investigates, they can get into things um, and really dig down to find out, was Schiff being supported in some way in order to drive this narrative, um, because we know that this narrative, now that Durham has come out, it is fairly obvious that the Hillary Clinton presidential campaign in 2016 was the spearhead behind creating this whole Russian collusion document in order to try to uh, destroy the Trump campaign. Um, and there seems to be more collusion with Russian sources coming out of the Democratic Party than was coming out of anything that the Trump campaign was doing at the time. Yeah, uh, look, um, the the guy's a, a, a fraudster. And actually, so is Jerry Nadler. Jerry Nadler, who basically sat there in, in the catbird seat and uh, wouldn't allow any serious questioning. Uh, he would he would gavel down, uh, for instance, Jim Jordan, um, and not allow him to to follow a line of questioning. We're not going to we're not going to allow that narrative to. Um, uh, and they would object, 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 and it was in violation of parliamentary procedure for uh, them to them to be gaveled down. But they did it anyway. Why? Because they can get away with it. The uh, what what power does the parliamentarian have actually in Congress? 
nothing. He's there as a consultant and he can say, you can't do that. And they go ahead and do it anyway. So, um, uh, this is not shocking. There was a conspiracy to push a narrative, uh, among our lawmakers and the most egregious of them would have been Adam Schiff, probably Eric Swalwell, by the way, Eric Swalwell, who has serious ethics issues with, uh, uh, allowing a Chinese spy in his office and also sleeping with her, which created all kinds of, you know, the man should have been removed from any sensitive committee, but he was not. Why? Because the Democrats were in charge and they controlled the narrative and they got the news media to come along and run interference for them. Had it been a Republican who had allowed a, well, take it back. Mitch McConnell is married to a Chinese spy. I, I'm being tongue-in-cheek to some extent, but not that much. Would have been pilloried in the news media. You're, an, you're a potential intelligence leak and blah blah Don't you, you know, he would have gotten beat up on the Sunday morning programs that almost nobody watches anymore. And for good reason. Uh, the Sunday morning programs were always biased, but they weren't so openly biased that that uh, you would be shouted down. They at least let you have your say. That, that no longer goes on. Um, and, uh, oh, by the way, I think I was thinking Marjorie Taylor Greene introduced uh, articles of impeachment against F FBI Director Chris Ray. Yes, she has. Now, we've talked about this before. Impeachment is a grotesquely underused mechanism. And we have to remember, uh, people are like, oh, you want to do this and that. And I go, you don't know what impeachment is. Impeachment means questioning and, you know, indicting people for doing things that aren't right and having the Senate question them uh, and do a trial on the basis of they should probably remo be removed from office. Remember, we, we had, uh, when we were teaching Constitution classes, we were explaining to people, it's like, look. If the Senate convicts you in an impeachment, what is the penalty? Well, the only penalty available is removal from office. If they engaged in actual criminal activity, then you turn it over to the Justice Department and, and they would decide whether or not it was prosecutable. The current Justice Department only decides you're unprosecutable if you're a Democrat, if you're a Republican uh, jaywalking would be enough that uh, they would uh, try to uh, attach a federal offense to that. Uh, nonetheless, impeachment is grossly underutilized. Uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, my mother, when she lived in South Florida, uh, people think it's only for the president. Oh, no, it's for any office other than the legislative branch any office other than the legislative branch. So in other words, my mother had a congressman. His name was Al C. Hastings, and he was as corrupt as you can get. And he was so corrupt that he was impeached by the Senate and removed from his federal judgeship, which doesn't happen anywhere near long enough, uh, often enough. But the fact is, he was, and what did he do? He ran for Congress. He was considered a hero. Why? Well, his skin color was correct, and he was oppressed by the man. 
that's that's a that's a dumb reason to support somebody who was so openly and obviously a crook. And yet he sat in Congress for oh gosh. Over twenty years, I think. I think he had over over ten and he finally passed away. Um but uh, again, uh, over, uh, why the House seated him at, because he was the disgraced and impeached federal judge is beyond me. But we live in that era, Barry. We live in an era where, where uh, that kind of stuff goes on. Um, you know, we, we let grifters get away with it. Um, Bill Clinton. Uh, yes, he was impeached. He was acquitted. Why was he acquitted? Because senators did not even go down and look at the accumulated uh, evidence. So, that being said, uh, that's enough on impeachment. Uh, she has introduced this. Uh, Ray has failed to uphold his oath and has instead overseen a denigration of the principles of our democratic republic. Uh, by utilizing FBI as a federal police force to punish or intimidate anyone who questions or opposes the current regime. Green wrote in an art her articles of impeachment, and there was a story yesterday, just yesterday. The FBI sent agents around to uh, um, question people who were uh, uh, in pro-life organizations who were merely out but protesting in the streets. Uh, they sent FBI agents around for no other reason than to intimidate. We know people who are being prosecuted. Uh, um, I'm thinking of, uh, oh, uh, Cal Fastro. Yes, in Michigan. In Up in Michigan. Uh, we worked with him in the Constitution Party. Uh, why is he... Uh, he's alleged to have blocked a, uh, access to a clinic. Well, everybody, all, all the, the witnesses on his side, nobody blocked anybody. Um, nonetheless, doesn't matter. Uh, we say you did it, you, uh, and we are prosecuting you for it because we want you to go away. Calzastro is a tireless campaigner for pro-life tireless. Yes, he is. Um, I, uh, we've known him for 20 years and have always known that he was not going to give up until the day they threw dirt in his face. So, and he, he's up in a place he's in Michigan, uh, which is currently run by essentially a criminal cabal, uh, Gretchen Whitmer and, uh, the attorney general up there, whose name escapes me, uh, who helped by the way, steal the election in, uh, 2024, uh, in Michigan for uh, for Joe Biden um, and protected people who were stealing votes. I, I'm I'm I have no problem being open about that. You know the Trump town hall where he steamrolled uh, the CNN crew who was there. They thought they were going to wreck him uh, live, and by asking him. Why do you continue to spread these lies about stolen elections? And he goes, well, because they're not lies. <laughs> uh, and if you'd actually investigated it, you'd have figured that out. But instead, you took uh, you took the government narrative and ran with it. 
Um, that's the kind of thing he had. I, I, I'm monopolizing things here. But uh, look, things are happening, uh, but we have to, uh, you know, you got to be aware of them. If you think it's a good idea, which I do, for, for instance, uh, Director Ray to be impeached, he should be impeached. Uh, he is using the FBI as a weapon. And so did, uh, and actually the FBI was used as a weapon against Trump, the sitting president. It, it, raises, it, it raises some interesting thoughts about going back and bringing charges up against, say, oh, former director James Comey. Yes. Uh, yeah, to, to see if because they, the FBI was politicized and used in a means to uh, intimidate or to threaten a political candidate and create havoc in, in an election campaign which is absolutely a forbidden uh, use of uh, domestic spying uh, because we're, you know, supposedly have a rule of law that uh, rises above that. But obviously there are too many, uh, shall we say, uh, special interests that have uh, encased themselves, sequestered themselves within these agencies like the FBI and the CIA. And they believe that they have carte blanche to do whatever they feel like. But now the uh, veneer is starting to peel back. And we're starting to see that there might be many, many uh, chances for uncovering what's actually true. And to maybe do some things that a lot of the members of Congress, including some sitting senators, I believe Josh Hawley has called for this, and that is to completely dismantle the FBI and restructure under some different form of domestic intelligence that focuses on actual real crimes and not tries to create crimes. Which is, uh, unfortunately, actually, for the most part, that's what the FBI used to do. Now, I, I want to... Uh... You know, when I was a kid, my, my parents were very pro uh, J. Edgar Hoover. I have become a big opponent of any defense of J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover essentially kept his job by blackmailing people who were um, in office because he had giant files on these people, every peccadillo they'd ever committed, um, and the FBI was weaponized under J. Edgar Hoover. Now, you talk to people, oh, he was the worst possible thing. And I go, how about the people that came after him? Uh, uh, they learned from the master. Um, the uh, And I can remember my parents being for, uh, you know, really liked him because he was anti-communist. Okay, that's all well and good. But I'm glad he was anti-communist. And he did uncover a lot of corruption. Um, and don't believe the boo-hoos about, oh, poor, the poor Hollywood types who had to go through the investigations. They were communists. And they, uh, especially the writers, uh, for instance, the Hollywood 10, they, they were communists and they were working to work 
the propaganda into the movies. All you got to do is watch movies in the late 40s and early 50s. In any case, J. Edgar Hoover was a bad player, and so are guys like Ray and Comey and the people who, many of the people who preceded them. Um, and it's time to dismantle that system um, and to um, figure out a way to restructure the FBI's job. Now, remember, before Bill Clinton, the FBI did not have police powers. A lot of people don't understand that. The FBI did not have police powers. They were a cooperative agency. Were they armed? Yeah. We all remember the FBI TV show, Ephraim, Zimbal Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., right? Uh, got shot in the shoulder every third week and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Recovered and went back to his job and uncovered all these horrible conspiracies. But they Wow, were, you're, you're, you're right. You're in the Wayback Machine. That's you bet I am, baby. 1960s. Um, but when I say we all remember it, we all of a certain age remember it. Yeah, uh, well, that's that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but when you looked at the FBI before 1996, I think the FBI had, and federal agencies did not have police powers. They had, they were cooperative agencies. They could go in and they could lend assistance to local police, uh, local and state police authorities. And that's all they were allowed to do. They had police authority within that box as a cooperative agency for locals after 96 remember the crime bill the hundred thousand new cops bill clinton's hundred thousand new cops all the new right. cops were federal agents and people like uh, uh osha and the fda and weird agencies were suddenly allowed to carry guns and the fbi was given direct federal police power you know uh, one of the things that the founders fought against was the federal government having any real law enforcement ability they wanted it all handled at the state and local levels the only place where uh would have been allowed to have federal authority uh as law enforcement were in the territories and washington dc that's why there is such, you know, the Federal Marshal Service, for instance, that, you know, we all know that the Wyatt Earp was a Federal Marshal and, you know, all that stuff down in Tombstone. What you don't know is they were deputized because th there was lawlessness that the local sheriff couldn't handle. And the local sheriff was an enemy of the Earps. Why? Well, because they were feds and the locals were locals. And uh, there's always been a, a dislike of uh, uh that kind of intervention they don't want law enforcement coming in from the from washington they want to run it locally and for good reason because when you give people who who are power mongers a badge what will they do they will abuse it and they'll say i'm with the federal government okay well that's nice uh, I'm a citizen of the United States and I have certain rights and you can't violate them. Well, they do it with impunity. Uh, even when you point out that, yes, your rights were violated, doesn't matter. Nothing ever happens to them. All oh, they might get a wrist slap. They might get a suspension. They might get, you know, but nobody ever loses their job. And that's the problem. 
people need to be, you know, that's, that's one mistake that Trump made while he was in office. He didn't really clean house. And I think you'll find if you listen to him talk, he knows that. I, I believe that he is understanding the mistakes that were made during his first administration. And from the tone of what he's been saying from the town hall meeting all the way up through his condemnation of those who are downplaying the um, Durham report shows that I think he figured it out and it's going to be a very different show this time around. Yes. If he can get past the, uh, the fraudulent voting. Which is going to be probably just as hard as it was in 2020, but because there is much more awareness now and you also have situations where I, you know, as far as I am following, in Arizona, there are still life and legs left on some of the uh, voting irregularity um, charges or claims that are coming from Carrie Lake, uh, who was running for governor there, uh, against the the Democrat Secretary of State who became the governor, uh, and the courts are actually allowing one of the um, uh, claims to come forward so that they can actually take a closer look at it. So well, there, yeah, some some of those things may be tipping points, but in some states like Michigan, uh, where um, Gretchen Whitmer, the governor, is still riding high, and they are probably going to still have some significant issues with voting irregularities in those states, Pennsylvania. Um, other states where, you know, there were, shall we say, uh, more than a few incidences that raised to the level of, is this something that is being done and it's an illegal action and it is causing um, a breakdown in the proper running and right. actual right. outcome of an election? Yeah, the fact is that Cary Lake also was stolen. It was stolen where? In Maricopa County, which is Phoenix. Uh, and um, when you, you have to kind of uh, look at a map. I, I forget how many counties there are in Arizona. There's only like 11. And Arizona is a huge state. Uh, I forget how many. I, I, I pulled 11 off the top of my head. But um, so it, it's a big area. But uh, they were using a certain kind of voting machine that is noted for its uh, uh, lack of openness and its use of foreign uh, foreign vote counters. Uh, data sent off electronically. Uh, you know, it's it, it's not that hard to write a program that every third Republican vote would be converted to Democrat. And pe there are people I can remember taking their voter slip and looking, I said, I didn't vote for any of these people. You know, when you, when you uh, vote by machine, uh, you get a receipt and it shows who you voted for. And you should check that because if you don't, you may find out that uh, it's happened in, in a lot of precincts, especially in big cities 
people look at their receipt and it's like, I didn't vote for any of these people or the big offices. I didn't vote for that person for governor. I didn't vote for that person for president, you know, blah, 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 senator, uh, congressman, whatever. Um, but, uh, um, you know, uh, you should do that. Speaking of voting, uh, we have a big vote coming up in August. Yes, we do. I, I believe it's August the 7th or the 8th, I, I believe is the date. Uh, it's the, well, it would be the. It would be the 8th. Be the 8th, yes. Because Tuesday's the 1st, yeah. Right, exactly. So it's the 8th. Um, and that vote, we talked about this last week, that vote is a vote to say whether or not we want to protect our Constitution in Ohio. We want to reduce the number of attempts that outside interest groups make to try to change Ohio's Constitution and our laws in order to benefit their particular special interests. Uh, and we're doing so through a mechanism that really is fair to everyone, although we are hearing now reports that the progressive groups who want to game the Constitution for things like, oh, recreational marijuana or abortion on demand at all stages uh, are really pushing against this because it would require them to be have to pass any amendment to the Constitution of Ohio by a vote margin of 60% instead of the current 50% plus one vote that it takes to change the Constitution. And we've seen certain things that have happened where special interests like, say, the casinos uh, got their way in the Constitution by spending tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars and going back time and again and finally getting the 50% plus one uh, and, you know, a little bit better than that, 52s, 53s. Right. Uh, in order to get these things in and then realizing that they wrote the language wrong and they had to go back and try to fix it and change it and and rework it. But this time around, the Ohio legislature passed uh, resolutions that created this special election this August. So, folks, pay attention because we really want to get people out to the polls to vote yes for the 60% threshold for changing the Constitution, because what's coming on the heels of that is Planned Parenthood, NARAL, and the pro-aborts, the pro-death wing in Ohio, and with help from outside groups, we found out that they're paying uh, circulators of petitions $25 an hour and flying them in from all, all parts of the country to try to get enough signatures i think they need like a raw number of like 750,000 signatures to submit in order to get enough to get on the ballot uh this november with a with a pro, uh, provision that would basically take away parental rights uh that would allow for underage children to be able to uh access uh the transgender surgeries and the drugs and things of that nature without uh, without parent approval uh and it would allow that uh, abortions could be done uh whenever the, an abortionist decides that they want to do one uh, it really right gets in, down 
right yes. up and right up until the moment of birth. Um, and you know, folks, this is an a, a unprecedented attack on parental rights. It's an unprecedented attack on the family. It's an unprecedented attack on the whole idea that government is instituted to protect and defend people's lives right. and their health. Um, and basically in August, what you're being asked to do is come to the polls and say, we don't want to have that be a very, very simple thing to do. It must be a super majority of the citizens who are voting who want to see these things. And let's just be quite frank and honest. 60% of the vote is not as difficult to get as it sounds because, well, Chuck, you and I have been involved in at least, I believe, two different campaigns where the Constitution has been changed in order to uh, you know, create marriage right. um, and to protect people against uh, uh, various things, you know, coming down the pike as far as, um, well, with the strip clubs, we did it as, as an, an initiated statute, but that's also part of the vote count where we got more than 60%. I mean, with the marriage, we got like 62% of the vote. Now, obviously, that's not impossible to achieve. And when the issue is right, people will come out and vote for it. If, if they believe that it's the right thing to do, 60% is not hard. But if you are trying to do something that is, you know, damaging, harmful, uh, or you're out and out lying about what you're doing, which is what these parole boards are doing right they now. They are doing that. Yeah. So beware when they come to your door or they accost you in a gas station. They're lying. Right. And now they're now they're going around door to door. I think they've I don't know if they're switching their strategy or if they're just trying to double down on their strategy of actually going door to door to people's homes, asking them to vote no in August. Well, Chuck, you and I talked about this offline. Right. I believe that they're actually hurting their own cause by raising awareness that there is actually going to be an election in August. Most people aren't never think about off cycle yeah. off year elections, and they usually miss them because there's no, no nothing being said about it. This one is going to be actually uh, people are getting informed. I know that there are a number of the pro life groups that are out there pushing right now and doing town hall meetings and going into the churches county by county uh, to get the awareness up that yes. We're having a vote in August, and yes, we need your help. And right. yes, we need right. to vote yes on this because, you know, we need to protect our Constitution against these in runs to try to change all the rules in order to benefit certain special interest groups. All right. Well, we're out of time. Oh, my. Well, that, that went very fast. Yes, it did. We had a little glitch there at the front, and we fixed it. That being said, go vote in August and vote yes yes vote absolutely yes. because the, in, the institute for principal policy is requesting you to come and vote and vote yes so that we can protect our constitution and we can protect the family that's right because no. that's what this is really all about super majorities are a good thing in altering your governing documents 
That being said, you know what we think. We want to know what you think. www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And join us again next week for another Principles and Policies.